Tim. All right. All right, Chance Lunsford is Logo Centrifugal. How are you doing today, man? Good. Chase uh, dot creates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We had to get those uh, handles out there. All right, man. I uh, really appreciate you coming on for being my first episode of my podcast, which is unnamed at the moment, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so basically, man, I want to go ahead and get started with what does logo centrifugal mean? Okay. Well, um, you have on the one hand the logos. And if you are spinning around, you might think of yourself as engaged in a centrifugal force. Okay. If you're, if you're logocentric, you believe that the word or the conscious mediator of the word is holds a position of primacy. So what my handle means is that I hold that the logos holds a position of primacy and I'm trying to spin that out into the world. So okay. you're in logos centrifuge and I'm spinning you with logo centrifugal force. I love that, man. <laughs> where did you, um, I mean, obviously you didn't come up with either of those words, but where did you come up with, I mean, that idea for your Twitter account? I mean, of all places. Well, I had a Twitter account before, um, mm -hmm. and Twitter wasn't a fan of that account. <laughs> heard. Uh, the first one was the born know-it-all, and that was, <laughs> yes, as, as obnoxious as I am now, I was, I was less restrained even with that account, but I learned my lesson because in three months they banned me. So I had to, I had to figure out another option. And so I, I asked myself, okay, you know, I've, I hadn't been on social media since the days of MySpace when I was like 20 years old or something. <laughs> right on. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, what am I trying to do here? I mean, I felt compelled to join for whatever reason. Why, mm -hmm. why is that? And I tried to listen to my heart, my instincts and just, you know, ask this, ask myself the question and then just listen. And it was like, well, you know, one of the things you're here to do is to communicate the importance of um, taking responsibility for your life and, and where meaning is derived from and what you can do to hone in on that and to act in a manner that allows you to move closer to your meaning. So where do you start? Start at the beginning. Okay, well, what is the beginning? It's right here. You know, like everything, everything you manifest in the world comes from right here. And what is that? Well, that's your logos. That's your... That's your core being who you are. So what am I trying to do here? I'm trying to spin that out. You know, I'm trying to, everything's a cycle. Everything's, everything's wheels and cogs in the yes. machine. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. And I, you know, I just thought about it for a minute and it's like, well, logos, L logo, logo, send, hmm, what can I do? What can I do? And then finally it's like, oh yeah, that'll work. All right. Oh, well, yeah. I want to get this account started up again. Get back to tweeting. Go tell Twitter you. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. with the Born Know-It-All account, were you, did you have goals with that or was that more just to be, to show your truth, like to get yourself out there more? Or? I don't, it, it took, it took some, it took some unraveling before I really realized why I joined. I mean, as much as I look at the world as a collection of systems and, and, I use logic a lot in the way that I think about things. Mm -hmm. I'm using the logic to unwrap my instincts. I'm a very instinctual person. You know, if I walk in a room, I'm taking a deep inhalation. I'm looking around. I'm scanning. I'm getting a sense for how I feel and what my body's responding to. Mm -hmm. It's the same with a lot of stuff. You know, I just, 
I feel compelled by instinct to do certain things. And I've okay. learned the years that I should listen to a particular flavor of that instinct. Like it's not always beneficial, but if you've, if you've listened to both, you know, if you, you get a feel for which one's which, and it's like, you should join. I don't know about that. I'm not really, I don't want to, now you should join. Well, you know, I don't know. You should join. All right. I'm just going to join. Um, <clears throat> and I'm an obnoxious dude. You know, I don't, I'm not really. You gonna... said that over and over again, but I haven't experienced that. Well, I've tried, I've tried over the recent months to pinpoint the places that I apply my attention mm-hmm. to because, um, as much as I like to joke around and stuff, I have a lot of things to offer. I've been through a lot of stuff and I've had to pull myself out of it and I've learned yeah. a lot of things and I want other people to have that because suffering is shitty. I don't want people to unnecessarily suffer. There's enough of it along the way. No matter what. Correct. If you're destroying yourself too, it makes it way harder to ever turn around and face yourself. Number one and number two to make up, um, all the steps that you could have been taking. Otherwise you don't make them up. You, you take a different path and certain things are closed off to you. Every decision you make, it collapses your potential to a certain extent, you know? So yeah. if I can get out there and I can, um, shift people away from, making decisions that will affect them downstream in, in massively negative ways. That's what I want to do because, hmm. because I've, you know, I've suffered. So, and that's, that's kind of the thing. Like if you talk to Charles Franklin, for example, I've been hounding that dude since I met him. Mm-hmm. He says stuff like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm chiming in like, dude, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? And then finally he's like, Oh man, I guess I got to go do it. <laughs> and that's kind of what I've been trying to do. I'm, a, I'm like that with everything. Yeah. Your attention, I'm going to get it. Or you're going to, you're going to have to like make it abundantly clear <laughs> that you don't want to give me your attention. Like how you do when you tag yourself on threads. Yeah, exactly. Or right. a list or whatever. And I try to do everything in a sense of humor. Yeah, of course. I've, you know, it's, it's like I said, I've made enough mistakes in my life. I can't, I can't take myself too seriously. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, you know, pride, pride is what got me into a lot of the mess anyway. Yeah. Where am I going to hold on to that and wreck myself again? I don't think so. Okay. So you said when you walk into a room, you get, you take a deep breath or whatever, and you get more aware of your presence. Um, what, how do you meditate if you do meditate? Okay. Well, there's a few ways that I meditate. One of the Mm -hmm. ways is just a very simple method I learned back in my karate days as a kid sit in a traditional meditation stand or seat or, you know, how, however you're comfortable really, but mm-hmm. sit, cross your legs, put your hands in a comfortable place and close your eyes. And then you just breathe in through your nose and you imagine a blue wave of energy coming in. It's calm. It's cooling. It's cleansing. It comes in and infiltrates your body and it just calms you. And then on the exhalation, it's red and it's sucking up all the stuff that just was pushed out and it's, dispersing it out into the world. It's all the negativity. It's all the anxiety in cool, calming out, red, negative. And then sometimes you can take that to the next level. Like what if the blue was a particular characteristic that you were trying to embody? Hmm. What if the red was a particular aspect you were trying to remove from yourself and you just kind of, so that's, that's how I learned to meditate originally. But to be honest, Meditation is um, a mindset. 
or a mind state. And you can meditate doing anything. It's just about picking a thing to return your attention to no matter what. You know, you could be meditating, washing dishes. And what are you doing? You're looking at the dish, you're scrubbing it. Then your mind starts wandering and you just pull it back to doing the dish. And when you are engaged in that space, the cares of the world and the weight of the world, suddenly you realize they're not, they're not present. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, like, I don't have to carry around constantly the burdens that I've accepted and then you realize, oh, I, I'm the one who has accepted it. I mean, I still feel responsibility is important and everything, but it's it's all in here. I don't have to do anything. And when you're sitting there meditating on the dishes or meditating on a kettlebell or meditating on uh, just your breath or whatever, mm-hmm. once everything falls away like that, you just understand, okay, <clears throat> all this stuff is something that I've chosen for myself. And if mm-hmm. I'm not happy with it, I either need to resolve the issue or let it go. So with your letting go of things, um, how do you consciously let go of things while also learning from them? Because you say you had a rough past or you've done some things you might not agree with as your present self. Um, how do you consciously let go of it and also learn from it at the same time? Is that part of that centrifugal force of spinning around or? Yeah, man, you bet. <clears throat> Well, one of the things that's critical to change a person's mind is storytelling. Hmm. We operate on stories. Yes. Um, You know, if you think of who you are, you think of your character and the story that your character is in. You know, what is my Mm -hmm. past? Where am I at? Where am I going? It's kind of how we frame all things. That's why we give... We assign personhood to inanimate objects because it helps us understand, you know, like what is the life cycle of a rock, for example? You know, it's like, hmm. well, it's, it's done these things and it's had this story and it's still just a rock sitting there. But, uh, you know, you tell a story because it helps you comprehend what it is. Yes. So one of the things that I learned early on is you must write. It's not it's not an thing. If you want to be psychologically healthy, you have to write because. You can think deeply. You can sit and meditate and you can take yourself to the center of the universe and you can understand that all things are one and there's only the division of our minds that keeps us apart and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then you open up your eyes and you're like, oh man, uh, I got to go to work right now. <laughs> yeah. Or, or whatever your deal is. Like, uh-huh. Okay. So, so how do I get that sensation more permanent? And there's a weird thing that happens, especially with handwriting, typing still, but especially with handwriting, there's that physical connection to I'm thinking a thing and I'm writing it and then I'm looking at that thought and I'm deciding whether or not I agree with it. And if I don't, I'm editing it. But writing therapy is a critical thing. And I talk a lot about things like this in a couple books I put out recently, but, mm-hmm. but what it comes down to is like, you have to, you have to take an honest inventory of the things about yourself that you don't like. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself, why don't I like these things? Because one of those things might be confusing you about other stuff. You have to kind of get to the source and you have to track it back and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? And then you ask yourself, what can I do about this? Mm -hmm. The funny thing about stuff like this is you have the answers in you already, mostly. And if you don't, it's it's a very easy thing to find an answer to any of your problems, any of them. But most people don't because here's the here's the kicker. 
you have to admit that you're wrong. And you, Something and you have, we don't want to do. No, it sucks. It sucks to be wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong because wrong, being wrong about something can lead to your death. Yeah. And it's convenient. It's convenient to think that you're not wrong and that everything's fine and that you are cruising on a straight path because you also want to feel comfortable. That's a, you know, we're called to equilibrium, but equilibrium isn't good if your equilibrium is destroying you. Hmm. And so you have to, you have to be really honest with yourself and it's hard to do that. You know, you have to say, I did this. It was my choice. It was my mistake. The consequences are mine to own. And what am I going to do about it? And until you can do that, you're, you're being led by your whimsy and you're being led by your impulse. Ooh, look over here. Ooh, look it over here. Look it over here. You got to frame it in. You have to admit what you've done wrong. And then you have to extract from what you've done wrong and also what you've done right principles. What are the core pieces of why I feel good about this or why I feel yeah. bad about this? And how can I put that into words? And then you write those words down and then you stick them on your wall and you say them. You say them every day. You say them as loud as you can. You get obnoxious about it because there's there's a process to get things into your head. You got repetition and you have intensity. Yes. You can do something over and over and over again. It might take you three months or six months to make that habit. But if you can jump up into the air, yeah, I'm feeling this way. You're way more likely to get that in there for a longer time. It's not going to stick forever. But imagine if you jumped up in the morning and said, yeah, I'm going to tell the truth. <laughs> you're way more likely to tell the truth that day than if you're like, yeah, tell the truth. I guess I'll just come over here and tell the truth now. <laughs> so you're basically talking about controlling your state, your state of mind, obviously, the mindset or everything. But um, let's go back to really quick. You said when you write down your thoughts, you like to edit them. How do you how would you edit? what you're thinking do you edit it what you you edit what you wrote or do you edit what you're thinking specifically and consciously change that that's a bi-directional axis meaning one influences the other so mm-hmm. you, know, think, you have to think a thought before you can write a thought mm-hmm. or at least as you're writing it but the thoughts mm-hmm. travel faster so it's likely you're going to get to the end of the thought before you write it down mm-hmm. but you're going to look at that it's just like with any writing. I don't know how much writing you've done, but I mean, you're on Twitter. You certainly mm-hmm. had a tweet where you wrote and you're like, I could have sure written that better. Yeah, absolutely. I say what I wanted to say. And you look at it. How could I have written it better? Yes. This. Okay. Is that it? Ooh, is that it? But, but when you do that, you know, it's still you're, you're putting your mind onto a paper and then you're examining it from a more objective stance. Yes. Is that really what I'm thinking or, or is it being influenced and what is it being influenced by? You know, it's always a web. Yes. It's all about how efficiently you can get to the heart of the matter and how much time you have to really explore the web. If you got 15 minutes a day, you're not going to be doing the deep work. You know, you're not going to be getting into every connection that you can make to a certain feature of your thinking all the way back through the past as far as you can remember. It's just huh. not going to happen. You don't have time to do that. That's helpful, especially if you're twisted. Yeah. But if you're doing pretty good, if things are going right in your life, you're acting the way that you want to be almost always. And you just have a slip up of whatever it is. Your deal is every once in a while, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at the end of the day, just to sit down, write about how you feel, write about why you feel that way and try to correct any mental 
or any cognitive dissonance you're suffering from mm. that can save you from having to sit down for 10 hours and explore your entire past to get to the bottom of why you're acting like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is your, what is your version of deep work? Um, do you try to do that every day or is that just during the work week type of thing? Well, <clears throat> I'm a bit of an outlier when it comes to this because you might see me during the day and I'm doing stuff all the time, but you look at my face and it might look like it hurts. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking deeply all the time. It's just kind of how I roll. You know, even as a little kid, I'd be thinking about the nature of the universe and, and I'd, I try to apply my logic to like, well, I, I don't know the answer, but how can I get there? And then I'd start crying. What's the matter, Chance? Well, I just realized that I can never know all the answers and infinity's too big to know. And I was really hoping I could learn everything there is to know. And I've just puzzled out that I can't. And I'm probably going to have to struggle with that fact for the next 10 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <clears throat> look, I learned about deep work from counseling. I had to do some counseling. Okay. And uh, it was the only thing that I needed something to interrupt my habits big time. And that's what did it for me. Um, and a lot of people want to cast dispersions on people who go to counseling, but look, man, you need what you need. And that's something that I needed. I was suffering from a lot of psychological issues and I created most of them for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless, I wasn't getting out without some guidance. So was, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, you go for it. Uh, so was this a clinical psychologist situation or was it more just mental health counselor? Um, if I may ask. No, yeah, it was a clinical situation. Yeah. Mm, mm, okay, cool. So you just basically need to re you had, you, you asked for help. Like you're one of the few people that actually have done that and then changed because of it. It seems like on this side of Twitter, at least. Well, to be honest, man, that was a court mandate. Okay, still. That's, I mean, isn't that a form of, I mean, I don't know what you believe in or anything, but the universe giving you that in a way, of forcing it in a way. Well, what, what I tell people is this. A mistake is a lesson trying to teach itself to you. And it okay. will continue to try to teach itself to you until you either learn it or you die. And every time you fail to learn it, the teacher gets more intense, more intense. And I got to a point where it's like, hey, man, you can uh, go to jail for a long time or you can go get your head straight and we'll see how it goes. Huh. Um, and so but to be honest, a lot of the people who are in similar situations with me just didn't just didn't apply themselves, just weren't willing to look inside, weren't willing to step up and own things. And, uh, you know, they went to jail or they went to prison or they stayed inside of the system, just like almost getting to the end of stuff and then falling back and almost mm -hmm. stuff and falling back. You know, there's a weird thing. There are, there are edges, there are paradigms. And when you get to the edge of your current paradigm, things get messy and turbulent. It's just like the vibration table videos or whatever, but that, that is reality. Even mm -hmm. like if you look at the edge between a meadow and a forest, almost all the diversity of species, almost all the interchange, almost all the action is at the edge. 
if you look into a meadow, there's almost nothing going on. It's just wind blowing trees. And if you look into the heart of an old growth forest, there's almost nothing going on. There's just big tall trees and a little bit of understory. But at the yeah. end, the animals, the interchange, the diversity of species, and it's the same in your life. You get to the edge of a thing and things start getting haywire. And you have two options. You can focus and push through and seek what you're seeking and make it to the other side of the turbulence or mm-hmm. you can let it slap you back into your current paradigm and you can go back to the same old shit. And if you do wow. that, it might, it might hit you harder. You might fall backwards two steps or three. You might get totally spun. You might get sent into the pit and keep falling. You know, it's not, it's not a guarantee that you're going to stick where you're at because where you're at took work to get to. Mm-hmm. And if you fall off, you might fall off all the way, dude. You know, so I've seen that happen a lot and I've seen it happen within myself. Hmm. It's not like, it's not like my path from being a a monster to being a man I'm proud to be has been without setbacks has been without, um, failure. And when you don't know how to deal with failure, it can be pretty tricky to navigate those waters, you know, like, okay, I want to be good. I guess I'm good now. Oh man, I just did a thing that wasn't good. What am I going to do about that? Well, probably lots of drugs and drinking and then we'll try again in a week. Yep. And then pretty soon it's like, well, that didn't make me feel good at all. And I, probably did some things during that week I shouldn't have. And now I feel even worse than I did. So what am I going to do? Keep doing that or not? Choose yes. And I mean, it is what it is. It's sad. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, come on, man. You know, like the road to being who you want to be is very straight and simple. It just takes a lot of work. It's not, there's no, there's no secret. There's no, like, there's no set of magic rules that the successful people follow that the unsuccessful people don't. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You dedicate yourself to that and you apply the scientific method. You have an idea, you test it. If it works, you keep doing it. If you don't, you go back to the drawing board and that's it. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a successful life in a nutshell. Yeah. But, but to admit that also means to admit that all the stuff that you've been doing before you started living that way is your fault. You could have done anything about it anytime you wanted to. And that's what, you know, tying it back to what we were talking about earlier. That's what it is, man. It's just like the road to success takes a lot of effort, but it's not hard or it's not, you know, it's, it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just requires of you certain things that's called responsibility. And when you meet responsibilities consistently, people give you new responsibilities and with new responsibilities come opportunity, but you don't get the opportunities unless you meet the responsibilities. People got it backwards. You know, I want, I want, well, what did you do to earn it? And Mm -hmm. I'm not, it's not a hard case thing. It's not like, look, it's just the way life is. You don't get stuff for nothing. It's, I mean, it's, it's all back even to the physics. It's, there's an action and then there's an equal and an opposite reaction. If you do stuff happens. So what, you know, look at what you're doing and look at what you're getting. And if this over here doesn't match what you think you want, you got to change this right here. And that's the equation and it's simple and people don't want to admit it because it's, you know, because it sucks to be wrong. Well, going back or I guess going over this side of Twitter or whatever, I keep, I keep referring it to that. Um, a lot of these people that would watch this hopefully are not only fans of yours, but they are also aware of the shit you talk about, but they aren't doing the, the application side of it. And like you just mentioned too, they numb it with drugs or alcohol or whatever. 
Um, what were, what were some of your vices in doing that into numbing some of that, that pain you were feeling before you changed? Man, I mean, how much time you got? I got time all day, man. I say that kind of jokingly, but it's not. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, name a drug. I was doing it pretty consistently. I was binge drinking every night. I mean, I would, I would drink until I would puke blood and then I keep drinking. You know, I was, Mm. I, I had issues with, um, addiction to porn and addiction to ruminating sexual thoughts. I had issues with, um, being a straight up criminal, you know, I'm not going to go deep into that stuff just because, um, that's not, that's not really what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm here to be honest and that's why I'm saying like, you know, I've, I've done all the drugs. I've done all the shitty stuff. I've hurt other people. I've hurt myself. Mm. Um, and I was involved with people who did the same thing. And that's, I mean, that's the key. And that's what, that's what, that's also the key to what helped me start to understand that I needed to live differently. It's like, okay, yeah. death from suicide, death from overdose, death from suicide, death from overdose, murder, overdose, prison, prison, overdose, suicide. And here I am like, oh man, almost overdosing, almost overdosing, wanting to die every mm-hmm. day, wanting to die, thinking about death, trying to kill myself with drugs and drinking and put myself in situations where somebody might do that for me and all because I want to die, but I'm afraid to do it myself mm-hmm. because there's that part of me in my heart and soul that tells me you're supposed to be here and there's something to you. But mm-hmm. when you deny it every day, that voice gets quieter and quieter and eventually you get to a point where it's like, I'm out of here, man. And I, you know, I saw it enough times that even my thick ass skull finally caved and that information got in there. You need to live different. And so I started, but that's, that's the sad part. And that's why I'm trying to convey to people. It's like, dude, you don't understand how hard it is to be like that. And then to be like I am, that's why, that's why that's a lot of the source of my confidence. And that's why I know the stuff that I'm teaching works because I've been so far off track, so much further off track than most people who ever make it back. Mm -hmm. a warrior. I've always been a champion and I don't say that as an egotistical thing. I'm ready to fight, you know, and I was fighting myself for most of my life and I was doing a pretty damn good job of it. And I was Mm. fighting everybody else along the way. But most people don't approach the world as intensely as that. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not assigning a, like a, a quality or a moral component to it. It's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. People aren't as intense as other people. Like I'm a very intense dude and everything I do, I'm intense mm-hmm. and it's pretty off putting for a lot of people to have that intensity in their face all the time. But that's how I was able to survive when so many people around me did not. That's mm-hmm. how I was able to make it back. And it's, <clears throat> it's hard, dude. You know, it, it took me a decade before I wanted to show my face to the world. Mm-hmm. It, it took me 10 years from the time I decided I was going to live differently to the point where I just felt like I was the kind of man that I wanted people to know about man. and who's, who's going to stick it out for 10 years like that. I mean, I had everything going for me. I have a very talented, smart, beautiful wife who loves me and I have kids and I have a father who's rock solid and has my back. And I have a collection of friends who I've known since I was a kid who 
um, stayed straight and narrow enough during adolescence and early adulthood that I can still have something to do with them now. But mm-hmm. my circle's tight, and my life has been about correcting problems and living a disciplined life for a long time, and 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 much of it in hermitude besides hanging out with my family. And that has a lot to do with my personality type and everything. Like I don't give a you know I don't care if you like me. I don't care. I don't have a lot of relationships because I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And if I have something to say, I'm going to say it to you. And if that makes you mad, then you can fuck off. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just how I live because I'm one of the things I learned is that dishonesty and lies and bullshit are poison and I'm susceptible to that poison and I can't have it in my life because I'm like, you've seen me mimicking people. Yeah. You know, like, I have a tendency to mimic the things that I'm exposed to uh-huh. and I can't allow you in my life. If you are going to expose me to things that are going to damage me, if I mimic them. Huh. So, so it's, it's been, you know, like I said, it's been 10 years of working on my mentality and my body and my health and my philosophy of life. And then mm-hmm. finally, okay. And that, and that kind of ties in. It's like, that's why I was being called because part of me realized other people need to know this stuff and you need to learn how to deal with other people because you can't be a hermit your entire life. If you hope to accomplish some of the things you want to. Yes. Cause the, the, the answer to the next level is never a what it's always a who. <laughs> and if you don't know how to be around other people, if you don't know how to make friends, if you don't know how to um, maintain relationships, you, you're going to be, you're going to get to a certain place and you're going to stop and you're never going to advance past that because you're not going to have the resources, you're not going to have the connections to make more things work for you. So here I am. And, you know, I try to, I try to approach it with heart. I try to make sure people know when they follow logo centrifugal that it's coming from my heart. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not here to fake the funk. I'm not here to, man, that shows through by the way. Well, I hope so, you know, cause that's what I'm, I, I play games and everything and I put on masks, but I tell you I'm putting on a mask. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of that is a teaching tool too. It's like, look, I'm friends with some of these people on here, but they're not, they're not being themselves. They're playing a part. Huh. And I'm playing parts too, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to be honest with you. It's like, look, man, this is what I'm doing right here. And if you look around you a little bit, guys, mm-hmm. maybe you can see past the facade and, and kind of see the person behind it. And it's no, look, not everybody wants to live the way that I live. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to on a persona and have a brand in the business, I mean, I want part of that too. And I'm not, I'm not putting any shade on anybody. Some people Twitter is a business, but I just don't, I don't thrive in an environment where I'm not allowed to be myself. Mm-hmm. So Twitter's, you know, like Twitter's, you can do whatever you want on there. So I indeed. You know, I write books and I, I get hired for copywriting and copy editing. And I, um, you know, I, I, I do business stuff on there and I, I create opportunities, but I also connect to people and I also just try to be a full person on there, not just one aspect of myself, but you know, I show oh, my, that's YouTube, interesting. Show my serious side. I try to make opportunities. I try to help people out. You know, there's, there's anything you want that place to be. It can be. And if you're looking you know, if you're paying attention, people sometimes say stuff on there and it's a call. And if you're reading it and you're listening with your heart, I've had a bunch of opportunities on there where somebody said something 
And it's like, uh oh, this person's making a call for help. This, you know, somebody needs some help and this is the only place they're just sending it out into the void. Yeah. And I've reached out and I have relationships with people from Twitter just because I said a kind word to them on a day. And they said, you know, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. And I, I never would have expected it, but here it is. Yeah, man. You know, like sure. You want to be a business. Sure. You want to have a brand. Sure. You want to frame your interactions in a certain way, but sometimes you have to be human. People want to connect to you and you have that's a whole reason they're there. Yeah. And if you don't listen to your heart, man, then where, where are you headed? Huh. That's a quote right there. Um, really quick. You said about your book. So with uncommon mentality, uh, you said you wrote that on a hard deadline. Like how, how quick of a deadline did you give yourself? Well, so in December last year, um, I committed to writing two books, which was the five pillars of the ascendant mind with my friends, yeah. James and Garrett. Mm hmm. And Uncommon Mentality, and I said I would have it done um, by, I think, within six weeks. Hmm. And it took me seven. <laughs> so I didn't quite make my deadline, but uh, uh -huh. the reason that I did that is because I've been meaning to write a book like that or like these books for a long time, and I've even started it several times. And I've tried to be too ambitious, like, you know, write the Bible for any situation you could ever face in any life. I'll try to have the, the answers and the keys in here for you. And I still intend to write that book probably, but nice. I've it every time I try it. I'm not in a position to be able to write this. You know, I'm not even living my life in the way where I feel like I could stand on solid ground when I'm offering this to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So even if I was right, I couldn't. You know, I wasn't confident in my ability to represent the message. <laughs> I gotcha. But these books, I mean, all told, it's probably, it's probably 30 plus thousand words in those, but I just, I needed, I needed something to say, Hey, you know, you've committed and you've put it out there into the world and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you've stepped into this fray and you don't like, I probably had I not finished the books. I mean, I didn't quite finish on time and that was fine because I knew I was rolling on it and that was the whole point. But if I, if I had announced that and not finished the books, I probably would have left Twitter and, mm. and felt real sad about things for a while because, mm -hmm. um, like I said, I don't like dishonesty and I don't like, I don't like committing to stuff and then failing on it. And mm. I, I, and I programmed myself to be compelled to admit to it. And then to, you know, like have a thousand people that suddenly you have to say, Hey man, you know, I really dropped the ball and I committed to this. And then this book was all about me trying to teach you how to follow through on stuff and to put yourself in a position where you're doing the right thing. And then I didn't do it. So not only can I now not finish this book because I look like an asshole, um, I'm probably checking out because my whole mission has been canceled out by my, um, fraudulence. Huh. And that's not, you know. Not really going to play the game that way. Yeah. So I had, I committed and then I just set about it. And I mean, dude, I don't sleep a lot anyway. I never really have, but two hours, three hours, four hours top staying, staying up until I had literally fell asleep hitting the same key on my keyboard 
Mm-hmm. And then waking up two, three, four hours later and writing for two, three hours in the morning and then going to work and doing my jam and coming home and trying to still do the family thing. And then, okay, kids are to bed. I'm writing. Hold on just a second. Up to, there we go. Up to the minute. Well, up to maybe like seven minutes before <laughs> I was supposed to publish uncommon mentality. I was writing it. I was trying to smooth it out. I was trying to add more. I was trying to just, it's like, Oh man, I got, okay. I got a half an hour. What can I do in a half an hour? Okay. <laughs> okay. Type and type and type. Do I like this? Do I like this? Is this in the right order? And it's like, dude, you got, you don't even know how long this is going to take to upload. You're on coffee shop Wi-Fi. You got to get this done. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the scarcity, the scarcity aspect of that really kicked your ass into gear, basically. Yeah, it did. Man, <laughs> that is so interesting, man. Like, um, so I noticed on your Twitter feed, you started doing categories. Um, yeah. I counted 22 so far. Are you planning to add more? I'm sure. Yeah. What I'm trying to do with that uh-huh. is number one, I'm on the spectrum. It's just how I think about stuff. You know, it's uh-huh. patterns and it's webs and it's habits and it's, um, that's how I look at the world. And really quick. Do you really, I'm sorry to interrupt really quick. Do you think more in pictures or words? Well, the truth is everybody thinks in pictures, just sometimes okay. pictures of words. Okay, cool. Just, I was just curious on your take on that. I'm sorry. And I'm no, you're good. I'm, I mean, I have a facility with words, but yeah, I definitely am a visionary. Okay. Huh? Where, where were we? I kind of, no, you're fine. I asked you about the categories. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Oh, oh, right. (laughs) Yeah. So look right now I'm, I'm putting categories and I'm putting a gif with them to try to try to encapsulate the way that I'm looking at the subjects. Mm hmm. And it's a way for me to hone in on what I'm trying to do a little um, more efficiently because, like I said, I'm trying to be a person. And then if, if I start a conversation on Twitter, I might have a conversation with the person all day. And then my message gets diluted because I'm just talking to a person. And that's fine and everything, but I want I want my timeline, I want my Twitter account to be useful to people. And that's like I've... I've had the thread master thread for a long time in there. You could just go in there and you could read, you know, you could read all day by the time I got to where I got to with it. But but now I'm trying to level that up. And pretty soon, you know, if I have a thought, where does it fall within the categories? Is this valuable? Am I, am I conveying information or, or am I just talking shit? Hmm. And that's fine too. I have a category for that. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. To, when people come there and they click on the categories, Whatever it is that they're seeking, I want them to have an opportunity to do so. And it's not just my stuff, you know, I'm, I'm quote tweeting and I'm, I'm tying yeah. in. It's not even everything on there is how I feel, but it, it gives you a chance to, to measure yourself against this wall of information about a subject. And then pretty soon I'm going to start hyperlinking everything. Mm-hmm. So if this has to do with war, but it also has to do with honor and it also has to do with strength. It's going to be linked all through those. So you might be there to study strength and then you go, Oh, it's linked to this. And you click that and then suddenly you're in war and then you're looking up and down to war and then you have something and you're like, Oh, that ties into honor and that ties into truth and et cetera. So because that's, that's how I look at stuff. 
you know, it's, it's webs and nodes and connections. Yes. yes. So what are your thoughts? Have you ever heard of the net of Indra? Uh, maybe. Yeah. So that's, that's all I'm hearing out of you, honestly, like that, that is so interesting, man. And also what you just said too, with the, uh, being able to click on that thread and then being able to compare yourself against others like that, man, that is what people are there for. Especially the ones that aren't the content producers, like business guys, like how you said, or women or whatever, but people that are coming there to consume, they're, they're comparing. That's it. And man, I've, I really love that, by the way. All of the, all of the ones that you've linked are just amazing, either threads or tweets. And I really appreciate those just personally. <laughs> well, I'm glad, dude. You know, that's, that's kind of, that's what it's there for. Yeah. And that, you know, the web of Indra, I don't know what kind of experience you've had with psychedelics, but yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's actual. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can see it. So you might as well align yourself with reality. You might as well align yourself with reality. That is perfect. <laughs> um, when was your first, uh, if I may ask your first psychedelic experience? It was allegedly when I was 16. <laughs> allegedly. I like it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that's, it's, it seems, it seems to be under sub, sub 20 year olds that allegedly do their psychedelic trips. They tend to <clears throat> go one way or the other, the path of what you were saying with, you had some people around you that maybe were falling to different or succumbing to different of the negative aspects of life or whatever. And it seems like they were, it seems like in my experience, those type of people, if they did experience that, they were escaping more so than utilizing them. Um, I went through a, a period in my teens where I was not utilizing them. I was escaping from things. Uh, what would you say to someone that feels like they're still trying to escape like that? I think we kind of touched on this earlier with the alcohol and drugs, but what would you specifically say someone that, just wants to escape all the time. Mm. What would I say to someone who wants to escape all the time? Well, mm -hmm. I would say this. The life that you're escaping from is the only life you've got. Mm. If you're unhappy with your life, the only thing that's going to change that is a change in your thinking, which will bring about a change in behavior, which will bring about a change in results. The equation is very simple. Yes, it's hard. Yes, lots of unfair stuff has happened. Yes, it's embarrassing. Yes, all the stuff you're thinking, it's probably at least marginally true. Yeah. So what? What are you going to do about it? You're going to wallow in self-pity? You're going to continue to destroy yourself? Are you going to continue to make decisions that go against your conscience? Are you going to continue to hurt the people who go out of their way to put themselves between you and harm? Or are you going to do something different? Like, I wish there was some magic thing and there's, there's tools and there's tricks and there's, mm -hmm. and there's things you can do, but none of the tools, none of the tricks, none of the tips will do a goddamn thing for you. Unless you make that first decision to say, I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to accept the consequences for everything I've done. If you can't do that, you're, you're finished. You're, you're already destroyed 
you're just catching up to it. You know, like if you're, if you're lost and you want to run away, you're already dead. Hmm. You don't want to be who you are. You don't want to live the life you're living. And so you flee from it. That's hmm. death. That's a dead man walking. And uh, you know, that's, that's a cutesy line and everything, but it's just true. It's true. Yeah. When you hate yourself and you don't want to be who you are, you do things to destroy that. It's, it's very simple. You know, your mind, your mind for the most part is a goal attainment apparatus mm. it shapes its goals based upon how you feel about things. And if you're living in this meat vehicle and you hate it, your goal attaining apparatus says, this is a thing I don't like. Let's get rid of it. And it, and it does what it does. And there's other interruptions and stuff. There's preservation mechanisms, you know? Yes. Life, life doesn't want to die. Whether or not your mind isn't happy with its life, the life inside of you, it doesn't want to die. And it tries to stop you over and over again. And, and it seems, although maybe this is just one of those things that people do, but it seems that the broader life, however you want to look at that, mm -hmm. it wants you to live too. Life in general wants you to live because if it didn't, why would it even be here? You know, like life is brutal and life is savage. Evolutionary mechanisms are rough. You have a little change, a little tweak and your behavior or a feature it's changed. And 99 times out of a hundred, that's a disadvantage or it's neutral, you know, but every once in a while something pops up. And if we're speaking evolutionarily, you know, from single celled organisms to human beings who are, a fundamentally connected piece of the universe that has divided itself from the universe and is sitting here thinking about itself and trying to decide what its place is in the universe. And it's, it's literally, unless, unless there's some magic force that is disconnected from reality, yeah. maybe, there is, maybe there isn't, but if there isn't and you have to kind of have to operate like there is not because this is the only world we're obviously in. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm indivisible from the rest of the universe, but I don't think so. And what, what based upon that form, based on the ontology of being a person, you know, like the experience of being a person, I only have that to shape my views. And so when I'm, if I'm thinking about things and I'm thinking about the nature of reality, reality itself is thinking about its own nature and it, and it, after all this harshness, after all the death, after all the forms that got wiped off the slate, we have a pretty good sense of what reality is. Yes. To me, reality is that which is, right? Mm -hmm. Some things can be a part of reality for a while, but they're not close enough to the true reality to stay. Hmm. Intelligence, reality has continued to shape its forms to allow for greater and greater intelligence. Hmm. Intelligence seems to be a very important, in fact, maybe the important drive of the evolutionary force because our bodies, you know, we're, we're weak animals. If you compare our physical strength to any of the other primates, essentially, it's like a, a 45 pound monkey could break your neck, you know, <laughs> but a 45 pound monkey can't build a house, can't talk to another monkey on a computer unless we put both monkeys in front of the computer and some, some primates can use tools and they think that chimps are in the stone age right now. And yeah. for the next hundred thousand years, chimps will become people. Yeah. But, but that just goes to prove the point, you know, intelligence is favored. 
We have these big old heads and these big old brains and these wimpy soft bodies, but yeah. the intelligence that's housed in these things allows us to thrive more than any other thing that there is. And the other things that thrive, like insects, for example, they have an overmind, you know, like an ant colony or yeah. if they're thinking symbiotically and they're thinking interconnectedly and it becomes much the same as like our brain where you have, you know, you have neurons that are connected to other neurons by axons and they have a little communication, a little neurochemical and a little electrochemical communication right here. And it's the same with the bee. One bee leaves a pheromone that says a certain message and the other bee picks up on it. And when they're in close proximity, those messages are going back and forth or, you know, a school of fish, they're moving in tandem because they're communicating of a single mind. And if you draw yourself back out from people a little bit, you see we're much the same. Like what is a city? It's a hive of people. And you can look at the city as a discrete being the same way that you forest. And the thing that's disconcerting. And I think a lot of what this end of Twitter or whatever is about, a lot of people have realized, man, a forest is a healthy organism. If, if humans don't mess with forests, they have somewhere near a 95% efficiency rating, meaning all the inputs that come in stay. Yeah. Except for a little bit. And that little bit when it leaves is clean and ready for use by downstream um, organisms. Correct. If you look at a human city, <laughs> I mean, you're talking 10 or 15% efficiency. If you're lucky. If that, yeah. 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 And then all the rest of it is piled in shit heaps and is, you know, just, it's a disaster. And why is that? Well, it's because if you imagine a cluster of organisms and 95% of them are unhealthy, what is that going to do to the broader organism? Like if you had a forest and all the trees were sick and all the grass was sick and all the animals were sick, that's a sick forest. And, and you would you would see it, you know, if you saw a healthy forest and you saw a sick forest right next to each other, you go, oh, okay, well, one is not well. And if you look, if you look at a city, almost every city out there is not well. The people are not well. They're not kind to each other. There's not efficient management of resources. And that's yeah. respect. I mean, that's that's disrespect when you treat everything like garbage and you just try to pull whatever wealth or whatever resources you can out of a thing and you toss the rest off as though it doesn't matter. Acting like one. Man, I love that. Well, uh, we've almost talked for about an hour now. Um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know like you're busy as hell, man. And I'd really appreciate you taking the time to do this by the way. Um, is there, I know you have the two books that you would like to, to plug really quick. Is there anything else that you got going on in the future besides that Bible for everything? Well, I've learned to chunk things out a little, you know, mm -hmm. um, April 1st, I'll be putting out uncommonly strong. Mm. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a book. Um, I'm building a system that you will be able to plug any training methodology, whether you want to do calisthenics or kettlebells or bar, mm -hmm. barbells and dumbbells or whatever you want to do. It's a principled systematic approach to um, engaging in progressive periodized, progressive resistance training 
in a way that makes sense and is easy to replicate and it's easy to program for yourself. So I'm not going to be given um, this workout plan for this purpose. It's a system. And based upon your goals, you just can compute it very easily and plug it into the system. And I've, you know, I've been a personal trainer. I've been certified NASM and HKC kettlebell trainer. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time doing all this stuff and I've read all the books. And if you haven't read super training, you can't even come talk to me. But, <laughs> yes. But the point is a lot of people and again, no shade on anybody. Um, but anybody can tell you to do four sets of 10 of, of pull up. Anybody can tell you to go do five sets of five if you want to get good at deadlifts. But, and that's fine. And that's, you know, for some people that works, but for people who want to have a system that they can adapt to whatever it is that they want to do, that's what this is for. And that all ties into, I was originally planning to write a book called Uncommonly Capable. Mm-hmm. And I, that's essentially what I'm doing one segment at a time. Okay. So, you know, I have uncommon mentality. I have uncommonly strong coming. There's a few more additions to this. Mm -hmm. What I'll probably eventually do is, and I'm, I'm going to be releasing uncommon mentality in paperback soon as well. I'll probably revise it a little bit and add a little Mm -hmm. more. I just always want to be adding more, but eventually I'll probably have all the uncommon books together and I'm not sure I will edit them as a whole. I'll just probably offer them as a bundle mm. and I'm going to begin to put together probably courses for them, video courses or audio courses. Um, because I would eventually like to start doing presentations. Um, that's been something that I've enjoyed going to see some of these guys and, and I've actually taken a lot of value from it. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to present myself in front of people and, and offer them value and create opportunities for both of us. Um, because I, there's this guy named Kirk Duncan where I live and he's mm-hmm. a motivational speaker and he's a, he's a huge dork. And he tells you that like, look, man, you know, I barely got out of high school. If I can do it, you can do it. That's his message. And I started saying that if I can do it, you can do it because I've been the biggest fool and I'm still doing stuff. So you can, but I've gone to several of his events and I've watched him over the years because I've been going to him you know, once every year or two for like 10 years. Yeah. And when I first started going, it was all about body language and, and reading people. And that was very useful and everything, but he's evolved over the years. He's never stopped. He's actually been applying what he was teaching and he's gotten mm-hmm. way good at it. And I've watched him go from like, you know, I'm offering this extra class right now and, and here's the price I normally charge. And, and here's the price I'm going to charge you right now. And there's this many seats and you know, when I first started going, it's like, damn, he just made 10,000 bucks. Yeah. And then the last time I went, it's like, damn, he just made $250,000 in 10 <laughs> minutes. Well, but, and then I asked myself like, okay, that's appealing and everything, but is he delivering value for value? And mm. he, he's a guy who is people come and they keep coming because they love what he's teaching and he does it in a way that allows people to move forward. Yeah. And so I don't want to be on stage and be using those techniques. I've talked about this on my timeline before, but I don't want, I don't want to be selling people on something that I don't believe in. But if I believe in it, I'm all about it because sales techniques are all about getting inside somebody's head and plugging whatever it is you're trying to get in there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm getting inside your head and I'm using those techniques to plug in information that's going to make you live a better life, I'm all about it. But you know, I obviously have to 
continue to practice presenting myself and continue honing my own craft and continue honing myself as a person that you can look up to so that when I'm on that stage and I'm using charisma and I'm using other techniques to get inside of your head, the stuff I'm putting in there, um, I can feel good about, mm-hmm. but that's, that's where I'd like to go. Man. I love that. And I look up to you, man. And I really appreciate this once again. Uh, there's so much value in this little talk we've had in these 55 minutes and I just can't thank you enough. And yeah, man, <laughs> it's hard to, end. I don't know how to end this. Like, I'd, uh, how do you like, how do you end all of your podcasts? If you do have a guest on or anything like that as, as awkwardly as possible. Perfect. Cause I'm doing that right now. <laughs> awesome, man. I'm going to go ahead and hit stop recording. If you wouldn't mind staying on the line. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Chance. Yeah, man.